Beathard sets up deep in the pocket. Goes down the field for Smith. Ah! He got it! Smith! Touchdown! 85 yards! Iowa! 56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Don't miss a thing from the world of college football. Stay right here for College Gridiron on WFUV Sports. Welcome to another edition of College Gridiron, WFUV Sports' college football podcast. How's it going, everybody? Will Talent with you once again. Joined alongside by Brendan Shorey and Brett Tulip. Guys, another week of college football in the books, week 10. And baseball officially over as we have our very own Brendan Shorey wearing his Rangers jersey. Big Rangers fan, congrats to you, Brendan, and your squad first ever World thank Series you, championship. But... Baseball's over now, and now you have your sights set on college football, even though they were probably already there, with Texas, though. Big win over BYU. We'll get into it. Want to hear your thoughts, and Brett, yours as well. On these big Week 9 matchups, we'll talk a little bit about Week 10. Some different stories going along um, in college football. The continuation of the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. It's getting a little more dicier, if you want to put it that way. Um at the time, didn't have any real impact on their season right away, but now it's looking like the Big Ten needs to take some action and possibly the NCAA overall. And Dabo Sweeney, Clemson, frustrating season, four losses already, still four games left in their regular season. Uh, He had some comments. He had a little bit of a reaction to a fan on a radio show in North Carolina uh, criticizing Clemson's play and I think there was a little bit of a two-way street that's why we're bringing it up uh, for this show because some of the things that Dabo said in a way I look at it as like all right like what what are we doing why are you even commenting on it but then there were some comments that he made and I was like "Uh, you know he kind of has a point but we will get into that before we start our show though Brendan, I kind of have a sense of how you're doing. So let's start with Brett. How are you doing, Brett? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, nothing too interesting. Got a couple <laughs> of essays to finish due at 11.59 tonight. So 11.59.59. Yeah, exactly. Night. You know, worried about that a little bit, but, you know, I'll get it done today. Probably not doing as well as you. I oh, know. I'm uh, happy as I've ever been, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, to, to, I've, first time ever seeing my team win something. It's 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 a different feeling. It's beautiful. Oh, it's amazing. It, that's it's amazing, man. That's really something. Corey Seager is that a Seager jersey or a yeah. Semyon jersey? I got Semyon. Semyon, good ball player too, though. Corey Seager, though. How about that? How this about isn't him? a baseball show, though. We'll probably have some Rangers references with Brendan sitting here, especially as we talk about Texas. But let's get right into it, guys. Dabo Sweeney. I put our headline on our rundown as are his days numbered, and then after I wrote that, I decided not to change it just because. Now I'm looking at it and I'm just like, his days aren't numbered at all just from a four-loss season. But this is a pretty interesting interaction that went down. So we'll start with the quote that Sweeney said to this fan over the radio. He said, you can have all your opinions, dot, dot, dot. I don't know how old you are. I don't care. We won 11 games last year and you're part of the problem. That right there, I think, is, well, it is the reason why I wanted to bring it up. That part, I think you just can't. You just can't go there with a fan, no matter how good or bad you are. We'll start our segment here with that. Uh, Dabo Sweeney was a little tight at this situation. 
that to me is just not the way to respond. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're not you're not having the season you want, but you don't lash out at the fans for that. Yeah, it, that's it's an internal thing. The fans are what keeps you going. If you look back at this team, back when they had Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, when they were one of the powerhouses of college football, the fans were electric there. That's what made the environment so fun to be in. That's what it even boosted the team, I would say. And then to now go off on, I guess it's a fan, but to go off on people who are supporting the team, rooting for your team, I mean, you just can't do that. Yeah, and you know, the the full quote, the fan mentioned uh, Dabo's salary as a part of it as a, and as a reason you're making all this money and you shouldn't go four and four. And like... I don't know. I just that's not the that's not the Belichick response. That's not like the the great coach response. You don't answer to that. You know, you just like you're above that. You know, if someone brings up how much you're making, I mean, you've been one of the best coaches and you're right. He's not in the hot seat. I mean, they've they've had amazing records since he's joined 2009. I'm looking at it. Yeah, one it's just, below it's a down 500. Year. Yeah, it's a yeah. very much a down year. Um, and- yeah, no, I just I, I agree though. I just don't think that's something you should be responding to. It just don't give it the time of day. Yeah, it's definitely not that Belichick response, especially with the track record that Sweeney has. And this is kind of like what I was alluding to in the the opening of our show. You know, they're four and four now, two and four in the ACC, way out of the picture now. Uh, the vic the victories that Dabo Sweeney has you know compiled over his sixteen years pretty remarkable and he noted you know um that the winning speaks for itself in 16 years I understand that and he also said as much he went as far to say we win so much that our fans have lost an appreciation for winning you know that you could look at that and say all right true that is pretty true Mm -hmm. a franchise when you continue to win that's what the expectation becomes especially when you're 165 and 43 under this one head coach you go to six consecutive college football playoffs four national uh, championship appearances two of those being title winners you know seven ACC titles in the last eight years so yes the winning does speak for itself the salary, $11.5 million. I think you could say, like, yeah, why are we a four-loss team right now with an $11.5 million head coach? I think that's also a very valid a valid argument. So I just thought this whole situation kind of goes back and forth both ways. I think both parties here bring up good points. And I like what you said there, Brett. Not the Belichick response. If you're this kind of victorious head coach, you kind of, you know, take your losses because they're going to happen. And you're look at Belichick now. The Patriots are just not – they're not a good mm-hmm. football team. And he just rides it out. That's what you have to do. Dabo, not so much in this situation. Yeah, I mean, you, you even mentioned it. I mean, are they a little spoiled with how much they won? Yes. I mean, you, you mentioned the Belichick response. You can kind of compare this Clemson team to the Patriots in, in a way that they had such a good long run where they were just winning, winning, winning. And now that they're not – the fans are crying out, why aren't we doing it anymore? Yeah. And th- these these fans have, have come to a point where they're spoiled and they can, they're can they complaining, but then that's where the differences between these head coaches lie. It's that Belichick is not responding. He's trying to trying to pick it up. He's trying to just deal with the team, whereas Dabo is, is responding. I mean, you you got you got to do the Belichick response. you got to stay yeah. ca- cool, calm, collected, deal with the team, not the fans. Yeah, and even like Nick Saban, I mean, Alabama hasn't been like the the number one powerhouse that they were for all those years, and and they haven't. I mean, they haven't had four, didn't start four and four, but you don't hear these type of quotes. But 
again, in terms of job security, like the only coach I can think of is like probably Coach O that had great success for years and then just like got fired after, you know, things started, you know, not going as well. Or that might have been kind of a different situation. But I think he'll be fine. And I just think as a fan, it's a fair point to bring up how much you're making. But and as a coach, you may think it's a fair point and you may think that's like you want to respond to it. But it's just better to let that be. Well, Dabo, he's extended through 2031. Yeah. So another reason, you know, you're going to give a college head football coach that many years for that much money. Don't really see him going anywhere. I like this Patriots talk that we're having. It's really a very similar situation. You kind of just have to, you know, you nothing lasts forever in this life. So you got to uh, just rebound and keep going. They're recruiting, you know, has maybe taken a little bit of a hit. Some of these stars these four and five stars going to different programs other than Clemson but just like that that's always that's a trend thing trends change there's always a big school for a certain block of um high school students in certain like two to three year periods and it it always switches so I would not be surprised if Clemson ends up coming back in some form a few years down the line but yes not a great look for Dabo and Clemson as they continue their season and Guys, 4-4 four and four right now, but I see at least two losable games in their last four remaining, possibly three. Notre Dame this week, that, that's that got to be a loss. Yeah. Notre Dame just way too powerful. Georgia Tech I have as, um, I'm not going to call it a trap game because it's just not for Clemson where they're at. I think that is a losable game for Clemson. I do think it, it can be winnable. I think Georgia Tech could give them a little bit of a fight, especially if Clemson has four losses. I wouldn't count Georgia Tech out just where they are in standings compared to Clemson. And then North Carolina and Drake May week 12, I just kind of see that as a loss. I'll give them a win against South Carolina to finish their regular season. But we could be looking at a five to six loss season if you are Dabo Sweeney. Hopefully not seven if this Georgia Tech game ends up going in Clemson's way. But still not a great season for Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. But let's move on to our week nine recaps. Some big games. We'll start with Texas over BYU. Let's hear it, Brendan. You know, he's just having a great he's having a great week, man. You know, Brett, he's just having a great week. It was some it was a hard nosed Longhorns win, if you mm-hmm. want to put it that way. Not I I wanna, you know, honestly, not not anything really flashy in my opinion but just a hard earned and fought win they were just all around great football team offense and defense Jonathan Brooks he's having an incredible season Mm -hmm. 16 rushes for 98 yards 100 uh, excuse me one touchdown four receptions and 40 yards now he had a four straight 100 yard stretch going on um I believe it was between weeks three and seven um, and one of those games included a 217-yard performance against Kansas. That streak snapped last week because he had 99 yards, and this week he had 98. So, you know, Brendan, let's start with you. Jonathan Brooks, definitely a catalyst of this Texas offense this year. Yeah, let me let me just start off by saying hook him. Hook him. Um, <laughs> and, and, yes, I mean, Jordan Brooks, if you look at how this Texas team was structured last year with Bijan in that backfield, he was just insane. I mean, the, the offense, the game plan was, was let Bijan cook. It was give him the ball in open space and let him go. And then, and then he gets drafted, top 10 picks. Uh, and you have Jordan Brooks kind of step in. Roshan Johnson also left. So your two starting running backs from last year, gone. Jordan Brooks comes in, steps up. 
He's not going to be like Bijan. He's not the same talent, but we, we want something from him. Jordan Brooks has amazed me so far. He's he's impressed me a lot just by the way he's able to he's able to step up and he's not I mean Bijan's shoes are hard to fill but he's doing he's doing, doing a, a really good job, job. Though. Yeah. he's doing a great job at it he's giving us a lot on the a lot on the ground game he I mean he's someone we can rely on in any situation a three down back that we can use he's he's doing great and he's a great he's a big part of why this team is doing so well especially with Quinn Ewers out for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think this says a lot about Malik Murphy is like first game, you know, after Quinn Ewers is out and he outplayed Slavis, who, you know, has been around a long time now and has kind of fallen off since his first year about five years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, not like, not like an overly impressive win, but definitely a good sign to see for a quarterback who's a you know a true freshman and is going to be playing in the rest of your games this season like it, it's good to see some promise yeah Malik Murphy you know not not the best game from him it was really you know the backfield Jordan Jonathan Brooks you know gives you four four receptions on 40 yards as well on top of his supreme rushing you know that's great so if you're Malik Murphy you don't really need to shine he was 16 for 25 with 170 yards he did throw for two touchdowns and he did throw a pick, but he did his job overall. In the air, Adani Mitchell, three three receptions for 59 yards, two touchdowns. Longest was a 30-yard bomber. Um, but, you know, I really don't have a lot on BYU. This was kind of just all the Texas show as they continue to climb up the ranks, having a really good season at 7-1 and one right now in the top 10, also in the AP rankings. So we will see where Texas unfolds and where they go. I want to ask you, Brendan, though, you know, watching this team as much as the, as much as you have and as much as you do, where do you like Texas? So not not a preference. Realistically, where do you see this team finishing? AP standings, Big Twelve standings. What do you got? So I can I can definitely see them winning the Big Twelve. It's going to come down to either Texas Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the conference championship game, and that game could go either way. I mean, you look at the history between these two teams. We saw them play earlier this year. Great game. I that's going to be the same. We're going to watch the rematch. It could go either way. If we win that game, I can see them sneaking into that that three or four seed in the college football playoffs. I think if you look at this team compared to last year, last year the team was great. They were they finished at least top fifteen, if I remember correctly. But then they the defense has improved greatly, and the defense looks great. I mean, they held BYU to six points, picked on Slevis, picked off Slevis twice. The defense has really improved this year. I think what we're seeing from the defense with combined with a, a healthy Ewers coming back in a few weeks, I think this team could could win the conference, sneak into one of those those last playoff spots, and then once you're in, who knows what happens. Yeah, well, with four games remaining, they have one more ranked game. All They all got to be wins. They're going to face number 25 Kansas State this week, followed by TCU, Iowa State, and Texas Tech to close their season. Texas on a roll, having a really good season. This win, another one of those great ones for them in 2023. But let's move on to the game that we covered last week. Brett, you and me, we were talking about Oregon. Initially thought the Oregon's offense, they were going to go to work, and that's exactly what happened. Identical mm-hmm. score to the 35-6 that Texas beat BYU as. Oregon, 35-6 at Utah. Utah, they will no longer be in contention for a third straight Pac-12 title. And Bo Nix, what a game he had, though. 
Yeah, you know, and it was good to see. We saw that scary Utah like home record. Might have gotten a little intimidated, but it was good to see Oregon get it done. And the conversation is all Bo Nix again. Three total touchdowns this game continues the the Heisman kind of run and push. And Oregon just keeps looking better and better from week to week. It's zero picks too, by the way. Yep. Yeah, I mean this Oregon offense. It looks elite. It looks like it. It's at the top of college football, their offenses. And then you factor in that they also have a good defense. Their defense yeah. is great. Everyone made a tackle that played on defense for Oregon in that game. I thought that was pretty impressive. That yeah. is impressive. Interesting. <laughs> Every single person that came in to play a defensive snap got a tackle. Very, very big stuff, especially for a juggernaut offense that we were talking about last week. What, as you just said, Brendan, one of the best offenses in the entire country. Bo Nix, 24 for 31. 248 yards as you said Brett three total touchdowns Bucky Irving really nice running back all season long great game over you over Utah 14 rushes for 83 yards one touchdown kind of like Brooks good receiving back as well in this game four receptions for 36 yards Troy Franklin they just did it all over the place but uh Bo Nix throwing in the air giving it to his running back Irving it did it on the ground in the air. Troy Franklin in the air, though. Eight receptions for 99 yards, one touchdown. So overall, their offense really, really impressing, really showing exactly what they are capable of doing. Now, though, they sit third in the Pac-12. No matter what was going to happen with the, with this game, whoever won, there was going to be some more, you know, um, uh, stipulations with the Pac-12 standings. And here we are now. It kind of seems as though it's USC's conference to control right now based on schedule. Big matchups between USC and Oregon State for Oregon. But USC, they will play Washington in Week 10. So lots of teams at the top of the Pac-12 playing each other late could, you know, um, end in some quite dramatic football to decide who will probably be the last champion of the Pac-12. I mean, it's it's really impressive to have a conference that, I mean, you look at the Pac-12 and how it's just disappearing after this year. It's impressive to have in that last year the amount of ranked teams they have. I mean, yeah. you look at you look at they've Washington, they have Oregon. Those are both top 10 teams. You look at you have Utah, who was 13. They'll, they'll drop a bit. Um you have Utah, you have USC. Like these are all great teams with with powerful offenses, good defense for the most part, good defenses. But I mean, the conference it's it's such a powerhouse that's disappearing. It's it's kind of sad to see, but it's exciting to see how it's going to play out in its final season. Yeah, and we don't really need to go into too much about realignment again, but it it is a shame. It's the most exciting, you know, it's been in years, I feel like, again, with Colorado, Washington State, some of these teams that aren't even doing as well record-wise are just fun teams to watch that are, their players are all putting up numbers. I mean, it, it's just like the the most exciting it's been in years, and it's a shame it's the last season. Yeah. So on the outside looking in, it that's Utah now. They have one more really big matchup you know, two losses in the conference are pretty much done, but they could make some noise. Um, they play Washington in Week 11, and as I said before, Oregon, they will play USC and Oregon State still remaining on the schedule. Huge games if you are Oregon in terms of Pac-12 standing. And USC obviously playing Oregon, and they will play Washington this week. So, guys, with these four teams being Oregon, Oregon State, 
USC, Washington, not going to count Utah. They just have a really big game coming up. Who do you see coming out of this Pac-12? Love Washington here, still undefeated. But we were, we were kind of bashing him before. This is a big moment if you're Caleb Williams. Two really big games coming up could really solidify the legacy that you leave at USC. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Washington. Um, I mean, you look at these, these four teams. I don't think Oregon State really has that big of a chance. USC, same thing. They don't have a def- They don't really have a good defense. Their offense is great. No defense there. So it really, for me, it comes down to Washington versus Oregon. We saw that game play out earlier this year. Great game, close game. I think I'm going to ride with Washington. I'm going to give Penix the edge over Knicks. I'm going to give their defense a little bit, a little bit of the edge over Oregon. It's, it's that one's close, but I'm I'm really riding with Penix over Knicks on this one. Yeah, I definitely think it's between those two, but. To be different, I'll, I'll take Oregon. You know, no, I was going to do the this same. This is the year, yeah. you know. This is the year. Um, but it, it really could be. Again, Oregon's been one of those great teams every single year, but haven't seemed to like put it all together. And I think I know Oregon lost in the head-to-head against Washington, but Bo Nix still played well. And I think if they can continue, you know, to go on this run, I mean, why not? You know, and Washington's had great success this year. You know, still hasn't lost, but. We'll have to see how they finish with those last couple of games, like you mentioned. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. I totally agree with you guys. I think it's definitely going to come down to those two teams. I'm going to side with Brett here, though. I think Oregon will edge um, Washington. I just really like this offense. They got to keep going, though. If they fall flat on their face in one of these big games, you know that could change the whole story, and Washington could just completely run away with it. But to highlight Utah just for a second before we move on to our final, and this is the, the next game we're going to talk about. Really, really big upset here. Fun to watch. I caught a little bit of it. But for Utah, Bryson Barnes could not re- rebound off of that really big game he had against Caleb Williams in this game against Oregon. Just 15 for 29, 136 yards. Glaring difference from what he did against Caleb Williams. No touchdowns, two picks. Not the best game for Barnes whatsoever. Ever. Split backfield between Jalen Glover and Jaquindon Jackson. They almost had identical stats, so I can't even really go into it there. But it's nice to have a nice tandem like that. Just really not getting a lot going. Biggest player for Utah in this game was really Devon Vele. Seven receptions for 80 yards, and that's all that um, Utah really had going in this game whatsoever. But let's move on to our final Week 9 recap. Kansas upsets Oklahoma must have been a really fun game once again. Look at Brendan. He's 3-for-3 three three today. Texas wins. The Rangers win the World Series. And Oklahoma, huge loss, loss yeah. in the Big 12. 38-33. The Jayhawks, they were trailing 21-17 to at halftime. And this Oklahoma defense, it kind of just flopped in the second half. Three total touchdowns um, given up. And... What just what an impressive win overall for the Kansas Jayhawks? Yeah, I mean you come in as an unranked team and you you're you're hosting um, a, one of a, the number six team in the in the country in Oklahoma, and they're coming off of a couple of great games. Two weeks ago, they just beat Texas, who's another it was another good ranked team. So you're looking at this team and how it's structured, and Dylan Gabriel having the year he's having, and you're not having much hope for that game. And so your your goal is just to to give them a fight. Make them, make them earn it. And then Kansas comes in, and they're down at half, and then they come back, and they had a, a huge last drive of the game, converting multiple fourth downs, getting that touchdown to go. Gave Oklahoma a little bit of time, couldn't do anything with it. But 
Huge game for Kansas to win it. Huge loss for Oklahoma as the as the number six team who the only the only undefeated team at the time in the Big Twelve. It gives Texas a it's huge for Texas. It's massive for Texas. It's it's huge for Texas as well as the other uh Kansas State and Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve because now they all have the same conference record. I am so happy with this game. Um but yeah, great game by Kansas. Yeah, you mentioned Oklahoma's defense falling apart, but I also think this is on Dylan Gabriel. I mean, this is the worst game he's had all year, and this is a guy who's been a five-year starter in college football. You can't have this kind of like low passing performance. I mean, I know he only had 19 attempts, but this is what's going to lose you a game if your quarterback throws for 170 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. I mean... There's there's only so much you can say. Dil- Dylan Gabriel kind of didn't show up. He did he did have a great rushing game though. They Oklahoma had a great rushing game mm-hmm. in general though. Dylan Gabriel uh three rushing touchdowns three as rushing well. Three rushing touchdowns, yeah. 64 yards, so didn't do it in the air but um and Tawee Walker too, 23 rushes for 146 yards and a touchdown. They were pounding the ball on the ground just wasn't working drake stoops four receptions 76 yards for oklahoma those were the three big performers in that game for the sooners but yeah overall this was a huge game for texas this is another reason why i wanted to bring it up not just from an upset standpoint but for the big 12 in general had a lot of standing stipulations uh gets a little tighter now as we were talking about before Texas, they will face Iowa State in their schedule. Should be a pretty easy win for them. But Iowa State 4-1 and one in the conference. So just another game for Texas to gain some ground. And Oklahoma, they also have some games where they can rebound, um, especially against Oklahoma State coming this week. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge game, huge rivalry there. Uh, one, of my, one of my good friends goes to Oklahoma State. And I was I was talking to him about this game, and he was like, "Yeah, like tickets are like four hundred bucks for this game because it's just a huge I rivalry." Bet, yeah, yeah. I mean, bed, it's it's bedlam. I mean, it is. Yeah, it's it's it really a huge is. rivalry. It's gonna be huge, especially since Oklahoma State's now falling into that that later part of the top twenty-five. Go go go, Pokes. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the Sooners and Oklahoma State's gonna be a fun matchup, man. Uh, it's really gonna have a lot to uh, impact on the Big Twelve as well. Uh, so lots of impactful football not crazy upsets this was probably the biggest one that we got all week and not crazy games two games that we were talking about had identical scores of 35 to 6 but yet still hold a lot of value for conference more so their conference play rather than the top 25 overall but that's going to do it for week nine let's talk some more week 10 stuff let's as we get into week 10 now let's talk a little bit more about this Michigan sign stealing scandal it's starting to gain a little bit more traction now the Big Ten on a conference call they're getting a a little more involved the coaches not not loving it they're at the beginning last week it seemed as though coaches in the NCAA kind of had a split reaction to what was going on some seemed as though it's like all right you know just another scheme some had the reaction of what we we're made aware of today as they see it as tainted and fraudulent. Um, but Jim Harbo, he gets a contract offer rescinded by the school. So this has definitely become a lot more of a serious issue. And in this conference call, Jim Harbo had to leave. 
in order for the Big Ten to take a vote on what they wanted to do. More details will be coming out. But this, guys, this has really gotten into more of a bigger situation. Coaches thought that it wouldn't impact their season as it is right now. But looking into it, should it? Do you do you guys think it should impact their season? What do you guys think is going to go down here? Because just, everything just keeps kind of developing with this situation. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks, about how how maybe it's it's not a pressing issue, how it's not going to alter the, the Michigan season immediately, but but who knows down the road. And I think we've hit that down the road part now. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's uh, coming back to haunt them is an understatement. It's, I mean, when you're, when your head coach gets his contract offer rescinded, one of the, one of the best head coaches in college football um, and your team, I mean, it's, it's huge now. It's hanging over their heads. Is this team going to be able to perform the same way? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But now that the all these coaches are calling for pun- like immediate punishment, I think this is going to hurt their season. Yeah, and this is to not say Michigan isn't obviously at fault, but I think it does need to be brought up that this is Michigan. This isn't them all voting on Rutgers or something. <laughs> like People are going to be more inclined. Mm-hmm. Michigan's been one of the better teams, a little bit more louder, showboaty, you know? Like, they're... The rest of the teams, the Maryland's and the Northwestern's of the world, are definitely going to be voting not in favor of Michigan. Um, so I, I just think that's something that's should be in consideration. You know, ev- everyone in, in the rest of the Big Ten is likely going to be against them anyway. So when they're looking for someone to help them out when they did something wrong, it's not going to come from them. No, yeah, I think it's definitely a very valid point to bring up. Anytime you have an opportunity, especially if it's dirt like this on mm-hmm. a team in your conference, that could be you know, five to ten years of success for a certain program. You have no idea what that could turn out to be. One scandal like this, you want to jump on it if you're an opposing team, especially if it's true, obviously. But even if it's not, it it totally is. We'll get into what went down with Connor Stallions, uh, interesting guy, with the Central Michigan um, things that were going on. But, yes, if you are in the Big Big Ten, definitely want to be on this because this could help your program out as well, especially like a Rutgers take down the top dog because of their own stupidity. You know, that could bode well for you in the next couple years. Uh, I think a, to, a way to piggyback on that, what kind of transfer, you know, ideas are we going to see come forth? Do you think we see some transfers guys leaving? Like they don't want to be a part of this program anymore. Like a lot's going on. How, deep do you think the impact of this will will carry on for i think that the transfers won't be as big of an issue if harbaugh is still there his contract got rescinded but he's still there i think what the bigger issue is going to be is recruits yeah yeah i think people in i think i think if if his future is is uncertain there and you have this whole scandal i think recruits are going to be more willing to pick these schools like like say like we, we we've been talking about oregon oregon watch like these these other schools who are doing well and don't have uh, a huge scandal hanging over them. Yeah, that's what I was going to say about recruiting. But in the NIL era, you know, you don't need this. Like, you can take take the money to go to a, a different school that doesn't have all this controversy surrounding them, you know, and you can do just as well. You can develop yourself as an NFL prospect and get all the perks that you would of going to, say, a Michigan, but by going to, like, Oregon with all their Nike money and everything. Yeah, and kind of like what we were talking about before about rebounding as programs. This is just another thing. 
it will end up being a rebound situation, in my opinion, for Michigan. And I wouldn't be shocked, you know, seeing them in however many years just coming back and then us looking back and being like, remember when they were stealing signs under Harvo? Just kind of one of those situations. But definitely something to keep an eye on as it develops because it continues to not only develop but kind of expand. It's becoming more bigger and and more of a bigger and bigger issue throughout college football. One more remark on it, though. Got to talk about our guy, Connor Stallions, because this is, I mean, let's just get into it. The NCAA, this is from the score, by the way, the app, an article um, published by the Associated Press. The NCAA has reportedly interviewed members of Michigan staff. The scandal took another turn this week when Central Michigan began investigating photos that appeared to show non-suspended Wolverines staffer Connor Stallions standing on its sideline for the season opener against Michigan State. Stallions has reportedly bought tickets to the game to games involving numerous Big Ten schools, as we uh, were talking about last week, um, and other potential Michigan opponents. So we were talking about it pre-show. I mean, th- th- this is just an... Above, an above and beyond effort from Connor Stallions for Michigan football. We have the whole 600-page manifesto and then the pictures coming out of him looking like Bobby Valentine with the aviators and the Central Michigan stuff on. I mean, it. <laughs> this guy's crazy, man. I'm sorry. He is. He really is. And I, respectfully, come, come on. Like, Michigan State... <laughs> I, I had that. I had that point here. Why? I, that's a terrible one. But you don't apparently, need to, you don't need to cheat to be Michigan yeah, State. Yeah, apparently, a D three coach, according to CBS, said they were at the Rutgers game. I know they're good this year. <laughs> I know you're from New Jersey. But come you on, don't need Michigan. To come on, man. I mean, dude, it just seems as though Connor Stallions is really doing whatever he can. To take Jim Harbaugh's he's job. Trying, he's trying to get caught. He yeah. wants that contract rescinded. He wants to get caught. <laughs> he wants to take Jim's job, but now he's caught. So I, I just I have to laugh because the picture that I saw, it was just so funny, that picture that they found of him zoomed in at this game. <laughs> I mean, I we'll see what happens next week. You never know. It's the second week in a row that we've heard of Connor Stallions doing some pretty outlandish stuff. But um, we'll see. This situation will definitely continue forward but before we wrap up our college gridiron production today let's talk about some week 10 matchups i got two for us today highlight them pack 12 let's get right into it the washington usc game possibly the biggest game of week 10 at least in my opinion we were talking about it before it has a lot of meaning behind pack 12 standings washington three point favorites on the road I I think that's I think that's a pretty fair line for that game honestly because of how good USC's offense is and they're at home um but who do you guys like in this matchup going into week 10 I like Washington by by probably by about a touchdown um I think the big the big difference here is the defense mm-hmm. yeah USC doesn't have one Washington does uh you look at these offenses and they're very comparable um obviously USC led by Kelly Caleb Williams Number one overall pick next year. He's best consensus number one quarterback in college football. But then you look over the Washington side, they're not far behind. Michael Penix, at least top five. Some would argue two or three. Um, and then the offense outside of them, the weapons, they're about the same on both sides. So I'm, I'm just going to have to roll with Washington because of their defense. 
Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, I also pick Washington. USC has given me no reason to think they can stop Michael Penix or anyone on Washington for that matter. I mean, their defense has been nothing but atrocious for years now. And this year, we've seen no signs of promise. Especially after that cow game. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I kind of like this as being like a game for Caleb Williams to, you know, take another step forward and really solidify himself as the best player in college football. But I don't know if that's going to happen, man. I think I'll take Washington, and I think it's going to be really narrow. I don't even know if Washington will cover uh, that three-point line. I think it could be more of like a one-point score we could have a big scoring game here but I like Michael Penix I like what he's bringing to the table this year still undefeated um this would be a huge win to grab to remain undefeated if you're Washington keep the good vibes going they want to get into that college football playoff I'll take Washington over USC as well but it's going to be quite the dogfight final game I want to talk about today with the two of you guys classic matchup two teams that are not they're really good this year they're top 25 perennial teams but not those two powerhouses that we've seen over the last 10 15 years but that's LSU and Alabama number 14 LSU and number 8 Alabama I think this is a really really interesting game just because of how strong LSU's the offense is number one offense in the country right now with averaging 562.9 total yards unbelievable stuff um this game is in Alabama Let's see. They have Alabama as three-point favorites as well. But for some reason, I just I, I kind of like LSU here. I kind of like LSU. What do you guys think? I agree. Um, uh, to me, it really comes down to the quarterback play here. And Jalen Milrow has not impressed me at all this season. He has been one of, one of the – he's been a mid-tier quarterback in the SEC alone, let alone all of college football. And then you compare him to, to Jaden Daniels having himself a year – 2,500 yards, 25 touchdowns, three interceptions, along with 500 yards on the ground and five rushing touchdowns. I think the LSU is going to take it because I think Jaden Daniels is going to have himself a day against Alabama. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Alabama. I mean, LSU has proven that they can lose to some of these better teams this year. They lost to, like, Ole Miss. The The quarterback play is hard to argue, and that was originally my, my first uh, point. I mean, just the straight-up matchup, Jaden Daniels is better. Um I don't know. This just feels like one of those games that Alabama wins at home, and you know Saban will will put them away. Last time they faced off, November fifth of twenty twenty two, LSU they won by one, thirty two thirty one. It was a thriller. I don't know if it's going to be that close this year. I think LSU kind of makes it quite the statement game. I think they're going to put up some numbers on Alabama. Alabama though, great defense, so it's going to be big offense against good defense. It's going to be really fun to watch, as it always is. But that's going to wrap things up here for College Gridiron. Ah, man, 10 weeks in to college football. I can't believe it. Baseball's over, so it's all football and basketball. But we'll see. Lots to look forward to in the world of college football. But for Brendan Shorey, Brett Tulip, I'm Will Talent, and we will see you in the next edition of College Gridiron.